The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Here on The Ranking Show, we talk fantasy football, we talk fantasy football rankings, we are super excited for what is a loaded slate in Week 13, but there are other things we like outside of football, and we're sure that is true for all of you out there as well. Well, good news, Game Time has more than football, Game Time has more than sports, NBA, NHL, you want it, Game Time's got it, concerts, theater, you want it, Game Time's got it, Game Time has everything you could be looking for in the world of event tickets. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome in to the ranking show here on Thanksgiving week. We're a day early, but still happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We are happy that you are taking some time out of your Thanksgiving week to celebrate with us here at the athletic on the ranking show. We got three games on Thursday. Thanks to Thanksgiving buys are behind us. So a full 16 game slate this week and every week, the rest of the season, we're going to help you figure out who should be in your lineups and who should be out of them starting right here on the ranking show. I am Michael Beller, joined as I always am on the ranking show by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. Guys, uh, maybe someone's already said it to you, but if not, allow me to be the first to say happy Thanksgiving to you two also. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) You're the the most important one. How about that? Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Jake. You're the the one. Why why do I think (laughs) that you living in Chicago means you have a bigger Thanksgiving than the rest of us? I don't know. I just I just think of Chicago as a as a hearty folk that like to eat. Yes, yeah, maybe of, maybe uh, it's all the SNL maybe it's all the SNL skits from years past. Yeah, city of broad shoulders, right? That's right. There we go. The um, Bears. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that the Bears are a win over David Blau, David Bluff away from being five hundred. <laughs> the Bears wow. are in, yeah. Which is, is hey, you, you get Thanksgiving though. Yeah, there you go. Another thing, right? Uh, I I think I said this uh, with you, Brandon, on Wire to Wire on Monday, but I'm going to take the opportunity again to apologize to the entire country on behalf of the city of Chicago for forcing uh, the Bears on you, for foisting the Bears no, upon hey. you on Thursday. No, 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 this is why the NFL should be thankful for fantasy because there are a lot of relevant players that could make this game entertaining from a fantasy standpoint. That's true, actually. That's a, that's a good point. We're going to talk about at least one person uh, from that game in this episode of the ranking show. Uh, TJ Hawkinson? Uh, TJ Hawkinson is not <laughs> going to be him. He is not going to be TJ Hawkinson, but it will be someone from that side, from that team. So uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. Theathletic.com slash the ranking show. Still get yourself 40% off. Holiday season coming up. Treat yourself to a gift. Treat someone to a gift. 40% off an athletic subscription. I really couldn't think of anything better than that. Uh, because of Thanksgiving week, there will not be a Friday update show to the ranking show. This is our only ranking show episode 
of the week. We'll be back with you for our regular schedule the rest of the season, but we're going to take a little break here on Thanksgiving week. Be sure to check out all of our all-decade shows here at The Athletic. We are celebrating the end of the 2010s across the entire website, in podcast, in print, with all-decade teams from pretty much every conceivable angle you can imagine. The three of us did an all-decade fantasy football team on a special edition of the ranking show that came out yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, So be sure to check that out. And of course, you'll be able to check out Jake's ranks if you are a subscriber all the way up to kickoff on Sunday. Guys, let's get to our show here. Again, no more buys. We are ready to go. All 32 teams in action this week. And the first player who I want to start with at the running back position is Austin Eckler. Uh, Chargers are visiting the Denver Broncos this week. Austin Eckler, we know, has to do it largely as a receiver. And he did that last week, caught 8 of 12 targets for 108 yards. Jake, you're at RB17 on him. You've got RB12 ranking on Melvin Gordon. Uh, obviously, with Eckler at RB17, you think you can he can keep doing enough as a receiver to register as a top 20 running back. Yeah, so now that everybody's off a of bye, uh, you know, for the sleepers that I have, I'm going to go a little bit higher level with one and then kind of a mid-level for another and then kind of mix it all up. Well, the high-level one is Austin Eckler. And talk about the fact that since Melvin Gordon has come back, Austin Eckler is not a top five running back. He's just RB9, which is one spot behind Melvin Gordon. So he's still a top 10 running back, which is ridiculous. And the fact is, is because look at what he's been doing. 14.3 fantasy points per game from week 7 to 11. Gordon's at 14.6.3 ahead of him. He just lit up the Chiefs for eight receptions and 108 yards. It's just the fact that if you look at what the need is for this team right now, you know, Mike, Mike Williams is kind of okay he's not having the breakout season we wanted you know Hunter Henry's come on late but it almost seems like Hunter Henry's helped Austin Eckler because that one down week that he had when Melvin Gordon first came back Hunter Henry wasn't really in the mix too much so it's kind of like just opening that up and using him out of the backfield I think that Austin Eckler solidly in the RB2 conversation with even with everybody off the bye yeah, you just have to start him because uh, if you don't, you get like a 15-target ridiculous game like he had the last time he faced the Broncos. And and you mentioned it. Uh, it's a little bit more volatile, but he's you know he's one of those guys that when you sit him down, especially in half PPR, full PPR, you could miss a huge game through the air. And it's kind of like the last safe zone for Phillip Rivers in terms of throwing the ball. I mean, he's been... <laughs> He's been kind of, uh, you know, waning in the other parts of the field. His passes look like they're magnetized to the ground, um, <laughs> or he'll air, or he'll airmail every so often. Um, that's but, called that's called Mark Rippingen. Yeah, when, when you throw. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize that, but I'll, I'll noted uh, for next time I have to bring that reference up. But uh, yeah, I think you just have to start him. Uh, just uh, too much potential in that passing game with him. Yeah, he, uh, he's been doing it pretty much every single week, getting it done as a receiver. It'd be interesting to see where he would be had Melvin Gordon held out all season and pulled a Le'Veon Bell, but still someone you're going to want in your lineup with the Chargers at Denver this week. Uh, we're going to go to your neck of the woods, Brandon, for our next running back. It is Rashad Penny. Uh, got 14 carries last week, turned it into 129 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson certainly isn't going away, but those fumbles have become a major, major problem for Chris Carson. Pete Carroll has been very loyal to Carson despite the fumbles, but that loyalty went out the window last week, and then Penny made the absolute most of it. You guys are still 
tempering your expectations and your enthusiasm. Jake at RB39 and Brandon at RB32. But what do you think his role is, Brandon, alongside Chris Carson? Well, I think for this week, we'll see it be uh, a little bigger than it's been. Uh, I think Chris Carson probably lost a couple carries uh, because of the fumbling issues last week. One of them wasn't given, uh, awarded to him, but they had two bad snaps in a row. If you look at what he's officially been given, he's been given four fumbles in the last three games. Uh, luckily, they've only lost one. But um, I think if you if you were to say, okay, the best of Chris Carson, the best of Rashad Penny, what would the Seahawks choose? Well, they've already made that decision. It's Chris Carson. He's the guy that runs between the tackles, that wears the defense down, that when there's nothing there, he'll give you two or three extra yards. And Rashad Penny between the tackles does not. He usually, when he's running tough between the tackles, he doesn't get the extra yardage that, that Carson does. But he also has the extra gear and the, and the breakaway ability that Chris Carson can't match. So I think because of, of the ball security issues, we'll see, like, I can imagine if it's 30 carries for the Seattle backfield that it's like 18 for Carson and 12 for Penny. They may not get to that many, but I think it might be for at least this week 60-40 uh, sort of as a doghouse-ish, uh, can we trust Carson? We're going to limit his workload a little bit. Um, but also to maybe see if they can get some of that breakaway ability of Penny going with a little bit more of an elevated role and a little bit less of Chris Carson. So for me, I think he is an RB3 still. I don't think we can slam dunk count on the workload because we know earlier in the year when we thought Chris Carson wasn't going to get docked, uh, they just went back to him uh, big time and and you know and let – Rashad Penny fade back into the woodwork. So, but I do think he'll get it something close to what he got last week, like 12, 14 carries. Can you tell Brandon is a Seahawks fan? I think that might've been your longest answer of the season. <laughs> Brandon. <think> so too. <laughs> Give me a Seahawks opportunity and to lead off. I'm, that's what you're going to get. Uh, so the real quick version is he's not this player, even it, actually, well, he was better even at this point, but he's not Adrian Peterson, but Adrian Peterson had fumbling issues. And I think Chris Carson's point was made by Pete Carroll. I think he's going to go right back to him. Now, if he fumbles two times in the first half, that could change. And that's the floor of the risk now. But we've played this song and dance with Rashad Penny before, and I'm one of the biggest Rashad Penny fans there are out there. And I still have him at 39 because... I, I'm in agreement with, with with everything Brandon just said is I think it's just kind of he's a lesser version of Austin Eckler. It's the touches are probably going to be in the low teens, if not around 10, and he's going to have to do a lot with them. Obviously, he could finish higher by just that one play we saw last week. But I think this is a range where he's kind of in there. If you look at the people he's around for me. It's in that Geis, who should have around 12 to 13 touches. Kareem Hunt, the same thing. Tariq Cohen, the same thing. It's those kind of players that he deserves to be mentioned with now, which before last week, he wasn't even in that conversation. Yeah, got himself into that conversation with the week, but I think your guys' points are well taken. Huge Monday night football game with the Seahawks hosting the Minnesota Vikings, a monster game in the NFC, even though it looks like both those teams are going to be playing playoff football this season. Our next guy, Miles Sanders, a guy that the fantasy community can't quit and with good reason. Uh, got 12 carries last week, 63 yards on those 12 carries. Five targets, caught three of them for 23 yards. An excellent matchup uh, against the Dolphins this week. Now, I say with good reason because of the talent. Obviously, the production has not been there. But both of you guys think that the production is going to be there this week based off your rankings. Jake at RB15, Brandon at RB17. Jake, why so high on Miles Sanders this week? So this is going to be the reverse of last week. Watch it. I'm going to have to change it. And just like I changed it last week, we had this conversation and I had Jordan Howard playing and I had Jordan Howard, the highest of all of them. Now I have Jordan Howard completely out. 
now watch him play and I'm going to have to move everything around again. But it's all about the matchup situation here. I actually have Jai as a respectable spot, I think, as well. He's right down by Rashad Penny by a four spot. So he's in that same conversation. I think Ajayi gets worked in a little bit. But as we saw last week, it's not going to be probably as much as people had hoped who went and picked him up because Boston Scott still got involved. But it's the fact that if we can get Miles Sanders to 20 touches, whether it's 13 carries and seven receptions, whatever it might be against the Dolphins, 20 touches, even 18 touches should turn into about a top 20 performance. And that's why. Plus, he's got that similar big playability to Rashad Penny. You know, I think the thing I like about this is we, you know, often will say, oh, they're playing Miami. The game script's going to be this way. I think Philadelphia's offense is so down right now that this actually might be a somewhat contested game. I mean, I think Philadelphia is going to win. Uh, and I think their their defense will absolutely snuff out the Miami offense. But I just don't know if the Eagles have much more than like, you know, three touchdowns in them. They're just it's it's a depleted offense. So I think with game flow maybe being somewhat uh, tighter than most of the time what you might expect with Miami, I think there's going to be some opportunities for Miles Sanders to flash himself a little bit more. And I like it, you know, going against this defense, the more the merrier. And we've talked a, a, a number of times this season about the desperateness of this Eagles team for some explosion in their offense. Miles Sanders is the guy who is most likely to be capable of providing that explosion. So maybe we see him get even more involved in the passing game this week against the Miami Dolphins. One more running back to touch on before we move on, and it is Benny Snell, you guys, uh, sort of a surprise uh, that he led the team as significantly as he did on the ground a week ago in the win over the Bengals. 21 carries for 98 yards. Uh, obviously, we are very unsure on James Conner, but at this early stage of the week, does seem like Connor is more unlikely to play than he is likely to make his return from a shoulder injury. We've got Jake at RB28 and Brandon at RB26 on Benny Snell. Steelers hosting the Browns this week in what is suddenly a huge game in the AFC playoff race. Brandon, uh, what's our read on Snell? Can he get to 21 carries again, or was that a game script thing a week ago? I wouldn't be shocked if it's another kind of game script that, that it matches it where he just gets the 21 carries. I mean, the thing about Benny Snell is he kind of forgot that he was, you know, they've they've shown through the weeks that they just think of Jalen Sam, Samuels as an ancillary piece, uh, you know, someone that they, they will certainly throw to a lot and they will give some carries, but they do not prefer him to be the bell cow guy. And Snell got hurt. And, and so then it was Edmonds that stepped in. But this would have been Benny Snell every time that James Conner is hurt earlier in the year, if not for the fact that he was hurt himself. So, uh, you know, a battering ram guy. It's it's a place in Pittsburgh where, you know, usually going to run well there. The offensive line through the years has been solid in run blocking. Um, and, I yeah, I think Benny Snell can push, you know, something similar to what he did last year, 21 carries, 98 yards. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, I'm kind of ranking him like he's going to do a little bit less than that, but I think he's certainly capable of it. Well, so I actually just coming off Jordan Howard, that's who I likened him to in the draft and said he's even a slightly lesser version of Jordan Howard. And my biggest problem with this and you do a show with our boy Emery is we says, says the same thing is you can find 10,000 running backs that do what they do. It's nothing special. They take what's given. They run between the gaps that are there. They don't find a lot or create a lot on their own, but it can work. You know, that can work as fantasy and that can work in the NFL to a degree. We see the limitations of Jordan Howard, and that's what you expect for Benny Snell. The problem here 
is, you know, you look at last week's game and they didn't blow them out, but that was, you, you talk about the game script. That was a game script that was for Benny Snell. And I know Jalen Samuels, Jalen Samuels wasn't really even on the field much to start the game, which does have me a little bit pensive about him bouncing back. But if I'm looking at the way that Cleveland's playing right now and coming into this game, I think Cleveland can put up points. I think if you look at the fact that Devlin Hodges is at quarterback, the questions that the Steelers have, this could be a game that they're behind. And my only hesitancy of why Snell, and I say that because I want Snell to be higher if I know he's going to get 20 touches. Actually, he should be inside the top 20 if he's getting 20 touches. I don't know that he does because of this game. That's that's my only issue. It's an understandable issue, and this could be uh, another game that gets a little ugly, maybe not quite as ugly as Pittsburgh since he last week, but uh, with that, the uncertainties in the Pittsburgh offense, I think your, your caution uh, is certainly well-founded. Let's talk about running backs that we're going to take a chance on. Jake, we're going to go to you first here. All right, I gave you one. No, I'll give you another one. Give us another right, well, one. Come on, it's Thanksgiving. Well, I want people. I know, but I want people to check the link. So <laughs> don't take my guy because I got I got no backups. Oh uh, well, too bad. Uh, then you go first. I'll let you go first. Go, you go okay. first. Uh, I was gonna throw out Ronald Jones. I think he. Okay, that uh, wasn't my guy. I hate Ronald okay. Jones. I hate that entire backfield. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hear you, but you know you can't complain about the volume in three of the last four. Really, four of the last five. I mean, he's getting the volume, and I think you feel comfortable about mid-teens touches and. Uh, he, you know, you look at this matchup. This is one of those times where I'm just looking at this matchup going, man, Jacksonville is just falling apart. When In run defense, they've been four 100-yard rushers in the last three games. And two of the guys have had 159 yards. We saw Derrick Henry go for 159. Carlos Hyde went for 160. Um, you know, Jonathan Williams and Marlon Mack in the same game, both over 100. I, you know, I'll take advantage of, of that right now with Ronald Jones getting, you know, an expectation of mid-teens touches. Hate him. Hate that backfield. There's going to be a Peyton Barber game, and there's going to be freaking okay, Darryl. Tell me Darryl, where you have Darryl. Ronald Jones ranked, though. Proof's in the pudding. Dare Ogumbawale. I have Ronald Jones at 33. So I'll drop five spots, and given the choice between the two, I would actually – I have Ronald Jones ranked higher. I ranked in my projection. Ball. I Between the two, I would take this guy, and I would, I would roll the dice on Darius Geis. I didn't mean to rhyme there. But this is all about the upside him. Similar, I, we, I brought up his name with Rashad Penny. And it's going against the Carolina Panthers, who was already the worst, well, arguably the worst run defense in the league. They have given up the most rushing touchdowns in the league, and that was before losing Don Terry Poe. So, you know, am I chasing a touchdown? Am I chasing a ceiling? Obviously, is the floor worse than Ronald Jones? I don't know that it is because we've already seen Ronald Jones fall flat in his face this year. Yeah, Ronald Jones, uh, we've talked about him quite a bit in uh, in Wire to Wire Funston about uh, that that uh, backfield just being such a pain to figure out. But uh, I think uh, because of the matchup, I see where you're coming from. And certainly Darius Geis is a guy who I was beating the drum for as a, a preemptive pickup a couple of weeks ago. So but I can see getting on board with both those guys. I'm in a giving mood here in Thanksgiving <laughs> week. Uh, injuries that we're going to keep an eye on over these next couple of days. Chase Edmonds expected to make his return for the Cardinals. From his hamstring injury, Devontae Freeman could get back on the field. He's been dealing with a foot injury for a couple of weeks now. Damian Williams, last time we saw him a couple of weeks ago before Kansas City's bye, he was dealing with an injury to his ribs. Could be a Daryl Williams and LaShawn McCoy week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jordan Howard, as you mentioned, Jake, has that shoulder injury. Still James Conner also dealing with a shoulder injury. And Matt Breida trying to make his way back from an ankle injury that has cost him a couple of games. Guys, because of this being Thanksgiving week, we had to uh, shuffle our schedule around here, and we're recording this much later in the day than we typically do. I don't know about you guys, but I'm starving. Jake, are you hungry right now? 
No, because it's almost 10 o'clock at night. I ate a long time ago. Oh, right. Uh, I, I am absolutely starving. I just had to coach a basketball game, skipped dinner, and I know I have food waiting for me, so I'm starving. Absolutely. You guys should live on the better coast. <laughs> or or <laughs> instead of doing any of that, maybe we should make a call to DoorDash because DoorDash connects you to all your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is super easy. All you got to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are, pizza, sushi, whatever it might be, just a ton of restaurants, no matter what city that you live in. You can find one of your old favorites. You can find a new favorite, whatever it might be. DoorDash certainly has it for you. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code rankings. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code rankings. Don't forget... That's promo code rankings for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Do you guys think Tyler Boyd uses DoorDash? You ever think you think Tyler Boyd's ever calling <laughs> up any any restaurants in Cincinnati and getting some some DoorDash delivered to him? If they're smart. <laughs> right? Well, I, I, I just imagine those players, you know, when they go back home, they don't want to mess with the, having to make dinner and stuff like that. I think DoorDash, the convenience of that is right up their alley. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you guys this then. Are you going to be dashing Tyler Boyd back into your lineups uh... this week? Because he's got Andy Dalton back, you guys. And I think there might be some upside here. Both of you guys seem to be tracking with that a little bit. Jake at wide receiver 26 and Brandon at wide receiver 31. Bengals against the Jets. Uh, Brandon. And I'm going to go to you first on this one. Uh, what is the upside with Andy Dalton back on the field for the Bengals? Uh, well, he's had a, he had a few good games with Andy Dalton back on the field. Um, and, you know, he had a couple 100-yard game, 10, 10 catch game, you know, twice. Uh, he was targeted a ton. And so we follow volume. And Andy Dalton certainly liked, you know, to dispense his passes in Tyler Boyd's way. So um, if you look back at the history of these two together, that's kind of been what it's been. I don't, you know, AJ Green, not expected back. I don't care. I, I you know, my first pass was him at wide receiver 31. Jake's at wide receiver 26. Uh, it's not as good. I remember last week, the the mid-20s range was, I, I liked a lot of those li uh, matchups. This week, I, I don't like a lot of matchups. I suspect when it's all said and done, I'll probably have Tyler Boyd inside my top 30 overall. Mm, not for me, uh, because I'll, hey, look at another sneak preview behind you the curtain before this. You, is. you can't say what? not for you. You're 26 on him. Yeah, I cannot say you said what, higher than that. I'm not going to put him higher. I can say yes. I'm not going to put him higher. Oh, I'm I not said putting I'm him higher. Put him higher than where I have him right now. I'm not telling you to put right. him higher. I'm telling that no, I might be closer I, to where you're at. So, okay, that's fine. But you said I'm not. I you might put him higher, and I'm saying I'm not putting. I think he's not going to move up for me. Like if you let me finish, besides just jumping all over a statement that you're going to try and take out of context, like you're on Twitter, Mr. Brandon. So, anyway. I'm not moving him up because I even have AJ Green already out. And the other part of it is because this is behind the curtain of what I was trying to say. I have Auden Tate as a sleeper because Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd, almost identical numbers since with, with Andy Dalton since week two, since Andy Dalton was at quarterback. And after week two, when Auden Tate was officially a starter at that point, he actually has more yards and less receptions it's actually 61 33 353 and a touchdown for boyd 53 26 385 and a touchdown for auden tate auden tate every single game between seven and 12 points 
the problem with I have with Tyler Boyd is you have 23 and then five and then 17 and six, and then that's all over the map. So that's where I think is a reasonable spot to keep Tyler Boyd. Uh, and that's why I was saying that, and I'm not going to move him up because I already have A.J. Green out. Oh, I, I am, for one, I'm excited to see Andy Dalton get back on the field for the Bengals. Uh, I think there's going to be some high-scoring potential in this game between the Bengals and the Jets, a couple of teams that have, what, like four wins combined, right, all from the Jets yeah. between them. Uh, I will say this to you and Brandon. This, yeah. whether, even if Brand, Brandon, even if you match my ranking like you were saying initially, like 26 is either too low or too high for Tyler Boyd, and that's why he's annoying. <laughs> he's in that Jared Cook range for you. You mean he's not yeah. gonna he's not gonna clock in at wide receiver twenty six? No, he's not he's never gonna clock in as like a fringe two three. He's Deshaun Jackson. He's either gonna be near the top twelve or he's gonna be like fifty seven. Well, any of uh, anyone invested in Tyler Boyd certainly hoping for the former. <laughs> and I do think that uh, the the return of Dalton uh, might be a little bit of a boon for the Cincinnati offense again. Hosting, yeah, hosting, hosting the New York Jets this week. Uh, next guy up has been one of the more confounding receivers all season long. Really, maybe uh, his entire career. It's Sammy Watkins. Uh, this guy volume is just not an issue. I mean, he gets looks after looks after looks. Plenty of looks. Uh, Tyreek Hill in the lineup. Tyreek Hill out of the lineup. Travis Kelsey doesn't seem to matter. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to look Sammy Watkins' way. But the production just isn't there. 64 or fewer yards in every single game he has played this season, except for that week one outburst. You guys are both in the low end three range on Sammy Watkins. Jake, we're going to go to you first. Is he another guy who's in that Tyler Boyd area where he's either going to be a a wide receiver one or a wide receiver five? It's pretty much, but the tendency this year has been a lot more of the fives than the ones, and that's why he's, I mean, it's true. That's why he's behind Tyler Boyd by a decent gap. I mean, he's an entire tier below for me. He's down there with Larry Fitzgerald and Auden Tate and Didi and stuff like that because it's just, as you mentioned, you just met, that's a terrible number if that's your season high, and it's really going to be touchdown-based for him. And maybe this is finally where he tees off and it's the Sammy Watkins 140-yard game for a touchdown, but I feel like his games this season have been more, you know, if he scores, if he doesn't, it's going to be like 50-something yards. You're just hoping to get the touchdown with it. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, more of the fives. I mean, this is eight straight games. Like the definition of insanity is is doing the same thing over and over and over again, <laughs> expecting a different result. I mean, we're eight times in a row where we were chasing week one numbers, and it's just not happening. And at this point, I think you got to give yourself a break if you're a Sammy Watkins owner and try a different method. And you know, if it burns you, then, oh, you missed on the ninth turn. I guess that's just your bad luck. But I, I just think eight eight is more than just an accident. Eight in a row is a trend, and it's been with Tyreek Hill. It's been without him. It's been every which way with this Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs offense. We haven't come close to week one. We haven't come close to feeling good about him as your starter, uh, really, for since week one. So for me, it's like I haven't ranked 38 out, just outside the wide receiver three because I don't want to say that he's a wide receiver three. I think he's he's beyond that to me. And no qualms with anyone sitting down Sammy Watkins after what we've seen from him for the last two months. Chiefs and Raiders getting together. If the Raiders win that game, which I don't think will happen, but if they do, they're atop the AFC West, you guys. That would be uh, quite the turn from, what we, from where we were at uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Raiders-Chiefs, another big game on the docket this week. Uh, let's go over to the NFC West where we have the Rams and Cardinals 
meeting one another. It seems like those two teams have about the same shot at making the playoffs, which is just about zero. Uh, Brandon Cooks made his return after dealing with some scary concussion issues uh, for the Rams last week. Got four targets, caught two of them for 32 yards. We know that this matchup with the Cardinals is great, both uh, because of uh, personnel and because of the way that the Cardinals play offensively up-tempo. This is a team that gets up and down the field. They let the team they're playing against get up and down the field as well. Uh, you guys are in that same range. It's a little bit ahead of Sammy Watkins. Jake at wide receiver 34 and Brandon at wide receiver 33. Brandon, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, for me, my issue with Brandon Cooks is that I just don't trust Jared Goff. And that's really where I <laughs> start to get into, into trouble with uh, with believing in Brandon Cooks. Uh, how much of that factors into your decision making here? Yeah, I, it does. It does. I'm worried about that. I have no trust in Jared Goff right now, too. It uh, looks like the league clearly has uh, this Rams offense figured out, but they they need Brandon Cooks. They need that vertical stretcher. Um, and so, you know, there's always a chance that Brandon Cooks can make the big play. He's a, you know, he's he's got that ability. I don't discount them giving him a, you know, a reverse or some kind of a handoff, uh, you know, almost once a week, every once in a while that works out to an extra point or two on your fantasy lineup. So I give him a little bit of upside for that. Uh, I give him a little bit of, you know, a little bit of upside for the matchup. I think they can, they, they can do some, you know, do some stuff against Arizona. So the upside that you're chasing here for me lands him in that, in that kind of that mid thirties range. That's just, I laugh because I love the fact that no, you don't trust Jared Goff. That actually you do trust Jared Goff. You Jared Trust him to suck because he stinks, and that's the problem <laughs> with Jericho. To be honest about this whole situation is Brandon Cooks is only here out of respect for who Brandon Cooks is. I mean, honestly, I Brandon well, Cooks. That's well said. That's kind of probably where I could yeah, have been with that as well. It, it's almost kind of the question I brought up on the throwback show, and I know we didn't talk about him for rankings, but I have Saquon Barkley at eight, and I brought up the question on the throwback show, and I said, when do we stop ranking him inside the top ten? If it wasn't for his name being Saquon Barkley and being on the field 95% of the time, Saquon Barkley hasn't been a top 10 running back in a long time. And we're ranking somebody, some of these guys just on their pedigree and knowing that, you know, once you get to a certain range, like Barkley's a little bit different because there's only a handful of running backs that are on the field that much. Kristen McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. I mean, it's not even Nick Chubb anymore. So it's just very hard to find somebody that has that many opportunities. But with wide receiver, you know, Cooks is down in the same conversation we've been having about all, everybody you brought up today so far, Mike. And that's the truth is Brandon Cooks, three catches can do more than most people can do with three catches. It just hasn't happened this year. And I again, I, I feel like he's only here because he is Brandon Cooks. If it was you slap uh, James Washington on the on this team and we're not even talking about him. Yeah, I think that's a, a very great way to uh, to look at Brandon Cooks and to look at a lot of guys in this Rams offense. Could be a fertile offensive environment, however, with the Rams visiting the Arizona Cardinals this week. One more receiver I want to talk about. We're going to that Thanksgiving game, uh, Thanksgiving Day game, Jake. We're going to Lions and Bears. Kenny <laughs> Galladay, talk about uh, pedigree, right? Not the same track record in the NFL as Brandon Cooks, but this is a guy who pretty much you have Kenny Galladay. He's in your starting lineup. Not sure if that is the case. We know Matthew Stafford out. Jeff Driscoll likely to be out as well, and that would lead to David Blau making the start 
for the Lions. David Blau versus Mitch Trubisky. Wake up, America. Get ready for football with your family on Thanksgiving Day. You guys are both way down on Kenny Galladay compared to where you would have him if Matthew Stafford were on the field. Jake at wide receiver 39. Brandon at wide receiver 34. Jake, I mean, can you even trust Galladay if it is Blau as the starter for Detroit? Well, I, you know, I, had, I do have dressed Jeff Driscoll in as of today. And every time you say Blau, I always think it makes me think of the Goody Mob song. For everybody out there, Goody Mob reference. Who's that peeking in my window? Blau. Nobody now. Yeah, that's a, just maybe. Can we get that? Can we get call him Goody Mob? Can we call him that? Can we make that his nickname? Look, this would be a precipitous drop for everybody on the Lions from Bo Scarborough to Kenny Galladay to Marvin Jones. To everybody. Again, I have just Jeff Driscoll in there as of today. It's not a great matchup to begin with. The one thing about Kenny Galladay is that he still has at least four targets in all the games. And, he, you know, outside of the week against Dallas, you know, he's got three, four, six. He's still getting receptions. He had the two games of back-to-back 100-plus yards. He's got the four, four touchdowns in three games mixed in there. And a lot of it's all – like most of it's with Driscoll. Matthew Stafford, I think, was one of those games. So – I'm not too worried if it's Driscoll where I'm knocking Kenny Galladay. Obviously, this is where he is. But if there is no Kenny Galladay, he would definitely fall outside the top 30. And, wow, he might – I mean, we. I, I honestly would probably get myself into a conversation of Sterling Shepard versus Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, David Blau is going to be a thing long enough to really put forth the effort to have that nickname stick. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Uh, the David Blau-Purdue years, I, they could have – it could have not happened as far as I'm concerned. I have known nothing about this guy. I have not seen a piece of tape on him. I probably, if he ends up being a starter, I will, I will look to see what kind of arm he has and things like that. Cause you know, look at Kenny Galladay is so athletic and big that he can just make a play on a 50, 50 ball. If the quarterback can serve it up and he's done that, you know, he's kind of like the AG, AJ green similarity in terms of, you know, style and their ability to make some plays. So I'll give him a puncher's chance, even if it is Blau. But if it is Blau, I'm probably I'm at wide receiver 34. I'm probably dropping him a little bit farther. I would say, Michael, you're a Midwest guy. Do you know much about this guy? You might be the foremost expert on David Blau on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I remember watching him. I remember watching Wisconsin destroy Purdue in those games, but I don't really remember David Blau standing out at all in any of those games. Uh, I was actually sort of surprised to uh, to see him, to see his name pop up when uh, when Driscoll uh, suffered that injury last week. You know, I went looking to see, all right, who would who would be the guy if Driscoll is unable, unable to play? And I was like, oh, wow, Purdue, David Blau, and that was about all I could come up with. So uh, I'm with you guys. I think that it gets hard to start almost anyone on this Detroit team if Blau is indeed the starter, and things certainly seem to be trending in that direction. We've got a number of wide receiver injuries uh, to keep in mind over the next few days. A.J. Green with his ankle, still tempting us enough to list him here, but doesn't sound like he is going to make his return this week. Tyreek Hill suffered the hamstring injury a couple of weeks ago. Keep a close eye on Kansas City's practice reports. T.Y. Hilton did play last week. He uh, played a limited snap count and appeared to tweak the calf injury a little bit, so watch those practice reports as well. Adam Thielen, all signs pointed to him making his return from a hamstring injury. He's been out for about a month now. Julio Jones on the injury report, but the shoulder issue doesn't sound like it's going to be something that keeps him from playing. That is also 
a Thanksgiving Day game. Juju Smith-Schuster missed last week because of a concussion, suffered two weeks ago. Watch those Pittsburgh practice reports. A couple of injured Patriots, Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett, both did not play last week. That opened the door for Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers to have larger roles. A couple of Eagles also on the practice reports. You're not going to play Nelson Aguilar, but if he doesn't play, maybe we see a few more targets for some of the other guys in that offense. Alshon Jeffrey looked like he was going to be able to play last week and then was suddenly in an active on Sunday. He's still trying to make his way back from an ankle injury. And Taylor Gabriel, low-level guy, could be thrown into some lineups depending on your situation, on the depth of your league. He's gotten a ton of targets the last few games. He suffered a concussion last week. Good news uh, there is that you're going to know if you have him or if you don't have him with the Bears playing on Thanksgiving. Let's talk about some quarterbacks here, guys. First guy, our big hero, back in the fold, Andy Dalton. QB 18 for you, Jake. What do you think his upside is in the return this week? Uh, The upside is probably 300 and two or three touchdowns. That's the ceiling for Andy Dalton every single week. Good secondary to get matched up with, and the Jets' run defense has been playing really well, so you do want to beat them through the pass, as we've seen over the past couple weeks. But it's Andy Dalton. It's a risky offense. You know, Tyler Boyd and Onitasia are one and two. That's always going to be risky. But Andy Dalton's going to – one thing we know this season is when Andy Dalton's at quarterback, there's probably 40-plus attempts coming. The, the downside is if there are errant attempts, if there's interceptions involved, that things go haywire and the Jets just sit back because their run defense is working and this goes the way of the Jets last week. So there's the downside. 18 might even feel a little bit low. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it's all about the pass attempts. When he was in there, his run, he never had less than 36, and he opened up the year with 51 and then 42. He was like the one guy in the league that was keeping pace with the, uh, you know, with Arizona's offense. And it seems like a lifetime ago that we were talking about, oh, look at him. He started with 418 against Seattle and then 311 against San Francisco in terms of yards. And things just kind of went south. But, uh, there is the there is the volume, and you might be right. It might be a little bit low, but he's been sitting out a while. The Jets, in terms of overall defense, one of the best defenses in the league in terms of you know yards per play, and they just seem like they're getting better and better. So I'm a little bit leery. I know the Jets had issues in the past earlier in the season. Their numbers kind of still are marred by that, but I think this is a Jets team that's getting a lot better late in the year. So I'm a little bit worried about that. I'm a little bit worried about Andy Dalton sitting down. I'm a little worried about – the game-breaking uh, weapons that he has, which is to say they're not exactly game-breaking. So uh, for me, he's <laughs> a little bit little bit down from where Jake's at at 18. I'm just inside, outside the top 20. Yeah, I could see Andy Dalton actually factoring into our playoff fantasy lives over the next couple of weeks. Get the Browns in Week 14, the Dolphins in Week 16. I do understand your guys' caution in his first game back on the field this weekend against the Jets. Uh, I don't know how much caution you're going to be able to have with Deshaun Watson against the Patriots because, hey, this is Deshaun Watson, but we know what the Patriots' defense brings to bear every single week. We saw it last week. Yeah, the weather had something to do with that, but they totally shut down Dak Prescott and the Dallas passing game. Uh, You guys are both at QB10 on Deshaun Watson. There's no way, Brandon, that you are sitting Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, the matchup is terrible, but this is Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, I I was sitting there doing my rankings, and I was I had Nick Foles ahead of him, and I'm like, wait a minute, if I own Nick Foles and Deshaun Watson, there's no way I'm starting Nick Foles over Deshaun Watson. So I'm like, yeah, there is a there is kind of a 
floor to as far as I will go down on uh, where I rank Deshaun Watson and tens about it. I mean, he's a one, you know, one of the top dual. We we know this. He's one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in the league, and even on an ugly passing day, he can still make something happen on the ground. And uh, you know, I'm sure we'll throw out the Lamar Jackson comps and what he did against New England. I'm there's just the ability. The problem is, is Deshaun Watson doesn't handle pressure as well as Lamar Jackson does. Um, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to give him a clear game plan about that. But, uh, I just, because he's so dual threat talented, I give him the chance to make a play against the toughest, uh, you know, pass defense and fantasy. Yeah, this is probably, <laughs> I mean, this could even be too high. Uh, excuse me. So I tweeted this out earlier today. And you guys, you know, you've asked about it, Mike. And I said, using the APA, the adjusted points allowed that I have on this site that comes out on Wednesdays, is the Patriots are minus 8.4 to league average. So what's that saying is like your average day of a fantasy quarterback, whatever his average is, when he faces the Patriots, likely to score eight fewer points than he would against the average defense, which right now, the one defense that matches dead on the middle is the Minnesota Vikings past events so on the flip side the rams are facing the cardinals which is plus 9.2 and i said would you start jared Goff or deshaun watson <laughs> just you know i don't think anybody's making that decision with how golf has played this year to say jared Goff, but that's what people would think by matchup wise and lamar jackson is the only one who's done anything and a lot of it came on the ground and sean watson's not lamar jackson on the ground like i this is a hundred percent respect for deshaun watson because I honestly, this feels high, but there's no way I can sit Deshaun Watson basically for any of the names behind him. And that's what it comes down to is it immediately starts with number 11 to Sam Darnold. I looked at it and said, if I had Deshaun Watson on my team, do I bench him for Darnold, Allen, Foles? And the answer is no. And that's why you just don't carry a backup quarterback because you don't, you don't tempt yourself in, in that regard. If you drafted Deshaun Watson, just you, you have to decide to play him every week. Hey, you mentioned like you mentioned Jake that uh, Lamar Jackson did most of his damage on the ground against the Patriots, sixty-one yards and two rushing touchdowns. He did throw for one hundred sixty-three yards and a score, but just around seven yards per attempt. And as you said, Deshaun Watson not quite the running threat or the, just the player purely on the ground that Lamar Jackson is. Going to be a fun one, Patriots and Texans this weekend. One more quarterback I want to ask you guys about, and it is Carson Wentz. Jake, you're at QB twenty. Brandon, you were at QB 17. Those numbers are bad enough on their own. And then give him the context of the fact that he's playing the Miami Dolphins this week. And you guys have him nowhere near the QB1 class. Uh, Jake, is it really this bad? You can't even start him against the Dolphins? Uh, no, it is this bad because no Lane Johnson. Well, Lane Johnson could come back. That might help. Alshon Jeffrey might come back. That might help. Both of those. You give me both of those and I'll move them up. But as of right now... And this team, I talked about it last week on this show, and I talked about it on other shows before. It's a chore for them to get anything just going. Like it, it looks like it's such a difficult time just to you know move the ball, even when they succeed. So I, I like Carson Wentz. I told people, I'm sorry that I told you to buy low because of the schedule, because it doesn't look like I even want to start him right now. Like I would. I there's people asking and I would drop Carson Wentz just to take a flyer. I, I I would definitely I would drop him for Baker Mayfield going forward. I don't want to start Baker against the Steelers if I don't have to, but just that upside I would drop him for Nick Foles in that schedule. Like Carson Wentz and that, that that entire team just looks miserable. I think the Eagles might drop him for Nick Foles right now too. <laughs> um or or just can we have a redo? Uh, I'm with you, man. I've watched a lot of you know they've been 
they played Seattle last week, so I obviously watched a lot of that, and they were nationally televised against New England before that. Watching a lot of New England, it's been a chore for this offense. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries. They're not vertical. 5.4 yards per attempt against New England, 5.7 against Seattle. Obviously, I don't tell you guys that's terrible numbers. So when you look at the pass attempts that have been 40-plus in each of the last two weeks, you can't even get excited about that because he's not – He's not throwing the ball downfield. Uh, we'll see if Alshon Jeffrey is able to come back or Nelson Aguilar. I'm sure it'll help a little bit, but uh, they weren't that great shakes with those guys in there either. And so, and Carson Wentz isn't making improvisational plays. He's not doing anything that's kind of like off script that's really working out. I mean, he's sitting in the pocket and just looking kind of skittish, and the, the throws are off target, and and things look bad. So I, it's a great matchup, but I can't. I'm QB 17. That's as high as I can go on him right now. Yeah, we even when things were going better for this team earlier in the season, we kept coming back to them and saying what a slog it feels like every single week. And that slog yeah. certainly has caught up to Wentz and the rest of this offense. Can't even recommend him as a starter with what seems like a very cushy matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about quarterbacks to take a chance on here, guys. Brandon, we'll go to you first. A QB, maybe off the radar a little bit that you think could get into some good starting lineups in Week 13. Yeah, well, uh, I mentioned Nick Foles. Um, you know, he, he I had toyed with him ahead of Deshaun Watson this week. And obviously, he didn't have the touchdown passes last week, but he did have 272 yards. Uh, you look at his pass attempts, um, 47 and 48 in the last two weeks. I talked earlier about how this defense for the Jaguars has been terrible. So uh, right now, I like I like the offensive environment in 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 or just the overall environment being conducive for him to get pass attempts, elevated pass attempts, and then you get Tampa Bay this week. So um, I feel good about him pushing 300 yards and a couple touchdowns again this week, like we saw a couple weeks ago from him. Yeah, so uh, he's in the sleeper column, and I'm not going to go into depth. You need to go read the article at this point. I don't want to give away everything. So I'll give you this. I'll give you the name, and then I'll say three words. Nick Foles facing the Buccaneers. <laughs> oh man you guys both on Not sad, uh, Mike drop. Yeah. yeah right both on uh both on Nick Foles I was hoping one of you would uh would throw Darnold out there because I think Sam Darnold uh needs to be started as well against Cincinnati yes uh, so, uh, I hate I hate Sam Darnold so I much. know you do but you also have him QB 11 this week Jake I do <laughs> I know because now watch he's gonna pull the Jared Cook on me as soon as I give him respect he's gonna yeah, go yeah. out and throw three interceptions hey don't worry I know you want to talk about Jared Cook we've got him in the rundown we're gonna get to him in a second let me just mention a few quarterbacks who have injuries that we're gonna keep an eye on the next couple of days we just talked about Carson Wentz suffered a hand injury in the Eagles loss to Seattle last week uh Doug Peterson says he's gonna be able to play just keep an eye on it as you guys said, maybe you don't even want to play him anyway. Jeff Driscoll almost certain to take a seat with his hamstring injury, opening the door for Purdue Boilermaker favorite David Blau. And Dwayne Haskins suffered a wrist injury last week uh, for Washington in their victory over Jeff Driscoll and the Detroit Lions. Uh, Bill Callahan saying, no, that Haskins is expected to play this week. Last position to talk about before we pack it in and get ourselves ready for a whole lot of turkey this week. Jared Cook kicks off our look at the tight end position. Jake, another guy. You say you hate Sam Darnold, QB 11. You hate Jared Cook, tight end eight. Six catches for 99 yards and a touchdown last week. Jake, explain yourself here. <laughs> uh, well, they are facing Atlanta, and the tight end landscape is crap. The end. I mean, like Jack Doyle's 10. 
because no Eric Ebron, Ryan Griffin, 12, David Njoku, assuming he comes back, he's 13. Tight end is a wasteland and face of the Falcons. I mean, that's that, that recipe right there. Hate him or not, he has to be there. But this is why this is look, I, I kind of hope it happens just so we can come back next week and be like, see, this is why Jared Cook is the worst tight end in history forever. <laughs> This is true because this is uh, look at you could make all kinds of good cases for Jared Cook this week. Four touchdowns in the last five games, averaging 70 over 70 yards as the last three facing a team that he went six for 74 against a couple weeks ago. There's all in, in, in a awful you know position that is so shallow in terms of depth. There's just no way you can't not start him if you own him. But as Jake said, just know that the rug is there to be pulled out from underneath you. <laughs> always is. It always is with Jared Cook. Jake, you mentioned Jack Doyle, your tight end 10. How about Jack Doyle? You got him tight end 10. Brandon, you've got him tight end 11. Jake, you said Eric Ebron on IR. Brandon, we talked about Jack Doyle a little bit on wire to wire with Ebron done for the year. Is Doyle a weekly regular starter? Lock him in? I think so. I mean, but where I have him ranked as in that back end tight end one class. I mean, like there's, there's not a huge upside with Jack Doyle, but there's also not huge downside with him. He's always going to be in the involved in the passing game, at least a little bit. Uh, and you know, he's, I don't know if he has, he has what one game over 50 yards this year, but we've seen him kind of regularly get 40 yards, find the end zone here and there. Like you just expect with Jack Doyle, that the potential is going to be there for something to happen. Whereas you can't say that with a lot of tight ends. So um, with Eric Ebron out, you would think there'd be a few more uh, targets his way. And if he gets that, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, he's going to get four or five catches and 40 to 50 yards and give him half a touch, half a touchdown possibilities. Yeah. It's uh, it's the touchdown. That's the upside there. You know, he had a little streak going where you had the 60 yards against Denver and then a touchdown touchdown. And, not so much, but last week against Houston. But Eric Ebron was out there for part of the game. So it just really comes down to the volume opportunity. Even with Ebron mixed in a lot of this season, the minimum targets he saw is two in week one, and then every game after that was three. And then these past five games has been five, five, four, four, four. So no Ebron, the opportunity for volume, uh, you know, and the wide receiver core still being what it is. I just think it's it's an opportunity-based situation. Yeah, and we've seen Jack Doyle come through on those opportunities also in the past. Ebron out of the way. I uh, got to believe there's going to be some volume there for him this week and for the rest of the season. Colts and Titans getting together in what is a huge matchup in both the AFC South and the AFC wildcard race. Our last tight end to talk about, a guy who we haven't talked about much on this show this season, is Kyle Rudolph. Uh, the reason why I bring him up is because over the last three games, he's got four touchdowns. Obviously not a lot of reception upside with 12 catches, not a lot of yardage upside, even less than the reception upside, 104 yards in those three games. But the four touchdowns certainly do jump off the page. Maybe we've got people who are in this low-end tight end one or tight end streaming class who have been leaning on Rudolph over the last couple of weeks before Minnesota's bye. Now, the big thing here is that they, all those games came without Adam Thielen. One of them, Thielen, played, uh, what, like seven or eight snaps before he left again because of his hamstring injury. Well, now Adam Thielen's back, and your guys' rankings reflect that fact. Jake at tight end 18. Brandon, you are at tight end 14 on Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Jake, is there any sort of touchdown upside we can bet on with Thielen and Diggs both on the field here? 
I really don't think so. It's it used as what you talked about before is with Thielen and Thielen and Diggs. The first couple of games, it was just, Rudolph didn't exist. Rudolph was going through games with one target, and I I don't know that just because he's had a little bit of a stretch here that all of a sudden he's just going to be right back in the mix with Thielen on the field. I mean, it's Thielen, Diggs, and Cook. I mean, what what are you going to get after that? What's left after that? Kirk Cousins is not going to throw for 40 times every single game. This might be one of the ones that could help a little bit. The Seahawks do have an, you know, a soft spot for tight ends. And, you know, if this game, it, they can push the pace as much as the, the, they can, which they're not the fast, fastest team. But going against the Vikings secondary, which has been torched this second half of the season, especially just overall, you know, this could end up being a high-scoring game, and then you would go for Rudolph there. But as it stands on paper, just with Thielen back, Rudolph has to take a hit. Yeah, I think he does overall. But I'm sorry, I'm just as a Seahawks fan, I'm just predisposed to uh, just fear the tight end. Uh, they do have a soft spot for the tight end. It's been something that's kind of been that way for a little while. And um, and I, you know, in my imagining of this, I give Kyle Rudolph a decent chance to score a touchdown, even with Thielen back. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is a a big target. And um, I think if they are in point blank range, he is a guy they're going to consider looking at for sure. So uh, I don't, if you're going to, Michael, you're going to go on and ask us to give us a tight end to take a chance on. This is about as far as I get on down the line on, on tight ends. I want to even consider taking a chance on. So um, like of what's left after Kyle Rudolph on my list, ugh, you know, so, <laughs> so then the fact Rudolph- that is Rudolph your guy? So, is Rudolph your guy? That you you just want to segue us right into it? No, can I just be softer with this and say Dallas Goddard continued to go with Dallas Goddard at the second tight end in Philadelphia? I would, I would, you know, he's in my top ten. Uh, I don't know if uh, people are probably clued in. He only had seven. I mean, thirty-two yards last week. We did have seven targets. We do know that they're going to basically use Ertz and Goddard as their one-two as long as they don't have health from those wide receivers. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not going to go with the one that's in the sleeper column again. Fine. You you go look that one up. I'll give you one last week. No, I'll give you last week. 53 yards. Let's go with Graham, not Jimmy. Let's go with Jaden. Jaden Graham. Let's pull him out of the, the, the depths of the just take a shot if you're really desperate because your waivers are probably desolate as well when it comes to the tight end position because no Austin Hooper, no Julio Jones. Jaden Jaden Graham. And now, obviously, if Julio Jones plays Thursday night, this goes out the window. Right, right. But hey, good one though. I like that. It's deep. Yeah, like very it. deep. That's deep. That's deeper than the one that I have in the waivers, which is pretty deep because the well, hint, hint, the one in the waivers relies on two tight ends in front of him for New York. Oh, not playing. Does his first name rhyme with the first name of the guy you just gave us? Yes, it does. Oh, yeah. I like that one quite a bit. Uh, let's talk about some injuries here. As you said, Jake Austin Hooper, almost uh, uh, guaranteed to not play on Thursday night because of his knee injury. Maybe we see him back in the field in week 14. David Njoku trying to make his return from his wrist injury. Things are looking decent for that to happen this week, but certainly no guarantees there. Evan Ingram has missed a couple of games because of a foot injury that he is still nursing. Jacob Hollister suffering a foot injury in Seattle's win over Philadelphia. It doesn't seem too serious for the time being, but we'll see as Seattle's game this week gets closer. Delaney Walker just can't get over that ankle injury, still uh, dealing with that. And TJ Hawkinson, a shoulder injury. He trying to get back for Thursday Thanksgiving Day against the Chicago Bears. We hope all of you are ready for Thanksgiving Day, for Thanksgiving weekend, and all 16 games that are on the slate, our first 16-game week since way back in Week 
three. Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your Thanksgiving week to spend with us listening to The Ranking Show. I am Michael Beller. You can find me on Twitter at mbeller. You can find Jake Seeley at All In Kid. You can find Brandon at Brandon Funston. A reminder that if you are listening to us in the free universe, uh, please rate, review, subscribe. It really does help us. And check out theathletic.com slash the ranking show to get yourself 40% off a subscription and get all of those sleepers that Jake didn't want to mention in his rankings column by checking the link for Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. I am Michael Beller. Thank you for listening and all have a very happy, healthy Thanksgiving.